It's time for Breathe Again Magazine, the radio show. A moment of hope, inspiration, and solutions. Listen to real-life testimonies from women and men just like you who have gone from victim to victorious. Sit back, listen, connect in the chat room, and share the show with a friend. Here's your host, author, and motivational speaker, Nicole Cleveland. Hello, and welcome to Breathe Again Radio Show, a moment of hope, inspiration, and solutions. I am your host, Nicole Cleveland, and we share victorious testimonies from women and men just like you that have gone through the fire, come out the fire, and now they're here to share their story because we know that we're not the only ones that are going through. What we are going through, someone else has already gone through and will go through it after us. So we're here just to share our stories so someone, that next one, does not feel like they're by themselves. They don't feel like they're alone and they have no place to go and no one understands them. So I want you to sit back, relax, share the show with a friend and just take notes, you know, take notes because we're all going through something. We're all going through something. And you know what, if you have a victorious testimony, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to interview you. I'd love to have you on the show because guess what? Your, your story is not for yourself. It's for somebody else. It's for that next person that's going to cry those same tears that you cried. So contact me. Go online to breatheagainmagazine.org. You can click share your story and submit that guest submission form. We'll get back to you and get you scheduled because somebody somewhere needs to hear your story. They need hope. They need to know that they too can make it. They too are not going to, although it may feel like they're on the verge of giving up and not making it, they will make it. So share your story. Also connect with us on social media. You know, you can find us on, uh, on Twitter at, at Breathe Again, on Facebook, Breathe Again Magazine, and you can connect with me, Nicole Cleveland, on Instagram, Facebook, all over the platforms with at Nicole C online, at Nicole C online. And guess what? Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. You could have been anywhere, but you chose to hang out with us. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. And guess what? You're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed today because today's show is all about choices. You know, we, we think we got it together and we think we make the right choices and there's a thin line, right? There's a thin line between um, them and us and the people that got caught and the people that didn't get caught. So today's show is all about choices. My guest today is Wally El Shabazz and he is on the show today to talk about his life. You know, he was locked up at the age of 19. He served uh, 35 years in, in prison, you know, he was faced with a life sentence at the age of 19. Just imagine that, you know, just pause. We go through life really fast, but just pause. 19, faced with a life sentence. Imagine that. He did it, and he's still here to tell the story. Today, he's a free man. He's in his 50s, and he's sharing his story to help that next young man that next young girl that's out here making some bad, reckless choices. So I just want to say thank you for joining me today. Thank you for coming on the show. Welcome to the show, man. <laughs> thank you. 
You are more than welcome. You know, um, I pay honor where honor is due. Thank you for, for, for serving your time. Thank you for doing what you had to do. And now you are no longer that same person that you once were. And so I want you to share a little bit about yourself with the audience. How would you describe Wally? Is it Wally? Wale? What is it? <laughs> <laughs> Put that to, not the raffle. <laughs> Wally. Okay. Wally. Wally means, yeah, Wally means the protecting friend. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just, you know, somebody, my mother tells me all the time that, you know, you can't help anybody, but I'm just, you know, I just, I just want to just, you know, just live my life and be a good man at this point. Won't always like that once upon a time, though. Yeah, absolutely. You've gone through some things, right? You've gone through th through some things. So, so take me back. Um, you're you're 18. You're 19. You're you're making some bad choices, right? Nowadays they say you're wilding out. Um, talk to me about the person that you you were. Well, I kind of you know I always thought consider myself. I kind of consider myself. A good guy that did bad things. If that's if that's a and if, if that's a a good description of me, um, just you know, I was the oldest of four of four kids by my mother, and trying to find my way. And my I had some bad examples. All of them were in the streets, you know. So I called myself just you know following their lead, you know. And then at an early age. So it got to a point I'm looking around at some of the guys, some of the guys that I grew up with, I'm coming up with, and I'm seeing them with things I didn't have. So I just, you know, made some bad choices to try to get it. Now, were you in a gang or were you out there? Nah, the gang okay. thing, we just, you know, it wasn't a gang thing, you know, when I was growing up, you know, it was just, you know, I, a lot of the things that I did, I did a lot of things solo. Okay. You know, and every now and then I would do things, you know, I would have a partner. And in this case here, there was, I had a partner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um, back then, you're 18, you're 19, we, we all make bad choices. I, I often tell individuals, you know, the difference between those of us that are out here and those of us that are on the inside are really, we make bad choices, but they just got caught, right? It's a lot right. of people. That, that did a lot of things and they just didn't get caught. Um, so you, you were faced with a life sentence at the age of 19. Did you just pause and just say, my life was over? Did you have any hopes of ever getting out? Well, they, you know, they, when I was sentenced, right, the judge that started running up first, the first thing he said is my uh, my co-defendant first, and he started to run it off the time. And then he got to me uh, uh, twenty years, twenty years, uh, uh, um, five years, two years, and then they said life. Mm. And I just I'm you know my family was in the courtroom and I was like, this, you know I'm, I'm crying at this particular point. It's just that shock just had hit, just hit me. So we get they, we go back to the side to the uh the holding tank, and and I asked I just asked the question just just general, 
And I said, man, what, what just happened? You know, and he was like, quoted his man, man, he just gave us life in 47 things. My God. You know, and they were like, I think we saw the, a couple of days later, my lawyer came with, and that's something else that a lot of people have to understand. You know, black kids today, it's the same as black kids back during that time. And I had a court appointed court attorney. He didn't put forth no no effort to try to do anything to assist right. me. Only thing it was, yeah, I was wrong. I mean, I'm like the guy from, uh, I'm like Red from Charles Shank, Charles Shank Redemption, the only guilty man in there. You know, so it was no thing, you know, I, I, you know, it was one of the things that I accepted responsibilities on that from the start, but I never thought I was gonna be, you know, be hit with that, with that type of sentence. Right, and I will say that it, I mean, the, the charge was a, a burglary charge, is that correct? Burglary while armed with a deadly weapon. That's something that we didn't, you know, you don't know. That's what the thing about what young kids don't know. They don't know some of the things that they're that they're doing and what they're up against. Mm-hmm. And you got and, one other strike you know, against you, you know, as a black child and, and you know, coming up too. You're right. And when we we spoke earlier and you told me that it was burglary um mm-hmm. with a deadly weapon. Um but, right. Right. But a life, but a life sentence plus forty-seven years. A life I just and it is because, you know, you did not have any representation, right? Um, and black and brown, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, talk to me about going in. Like they say, you are supposed to be. It's a rehabilitation, right? you're really rehabilitating the child that's going in or the young man that's going in for them to do better. Did you see any of that? Early on, they say rehabilitation, but Mm -hmm. it really was mostly punishment. Right. There's a difference between, you know, uh, 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 rehabilitation and and punishment. The Mm -hmm. the rehabilitation thing didn't come till later. And my, now I was, I turned 20, I was 19, I turned 20 years old in the jail. And I spent nine months in jail. I left jail, went to receive, to receive in center where you, it's a process and probably when you first, you know, when you first get your time, you, then you go through this process of them sending you to whatever institution that they're gonna send you to. Now I was 20 years old and went to the old state penitentiary in, in Richmond, in Richmond, Virginia. And it was known as the wall, mm. where they used to do the uh, uh, state executions at mm. until they uh, it's towed down there. It's, it's long gone now. At that time, at twenty years old, I was the youngest on the compound. Oh my goodness! Wow, were you scared? I'm not gonna say I was scared, but there was a jitter. I had them jitters, them butterflies, and everything was there, right? And when it just so happened when I got there, you know, they, they used to put you in the basement for uh, uh, orientation. And then the next day you went on the yard. I went upstairs to the building. I went to go get a, I had to go to this room off in the back on, on, in uh, one cell block to get a bed. So I'm sitting on a table and somebody tapped me on the shoulder. And I'm like, well, nobody knew me, but come to find out, it was somebody that I, uh, that I, there was somebody, it was one person there that I knew. 
and that kind of you know eased it a little bit. It but helped. I mean, yeah, right. It helped. You know, and in our previous conversation, you did tell me that you went in and you still was trying to be hard, right? You still was <laughs> a little knucklehead. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that, that came hard. That came a little later, right? I mean, early on, I didn't, I didn't handle this thing. I didn't handle doing time well, right? It was uh -huh. that. You know, it was like. You you hear you hear you know the thing if the if the if the if the uh, correct if the uh, if a if a god you know came at you you had to be a certain way had this rebellionness in me and then I was still mm -hmm. angry as well right right you know man and it just gave me life in forty seven years I was I was I was yeah you know I was still yeah man born. I'd be angry too <laughs> I'd be yeah. angry too um, but at some point it had it had to humble you. And where was that breaking point for you? Um, where did you sit down, look in the mirror and say, I gotta work on me, I gotta get me together? Because although you got a life sentence, you're here, um, glory be to God. You are here and you are out and you are free, right? And so you didn't throw it all away. You had to do some type of turnaround. When did that take place? Well, I think the very first, I, it was like, it was 1985, the end of 1985, right? I was, when I got to the, when I got to, when I got to Spring Street, when I arrived at Spring Street, I immediately started going to school. Mind now, I'm still going through what I'm going through. But there was one thing that I wanted to do. I wanted to get my GED. Okay. Right. And I remember to this day, I, I still remember this day that, it was October of 1985 when they, when I got, when I, when I received the, uh, the, the, the GED diploma, they had, I had to, I, I ended up taking the test again because I took it the first time and I had my social security numbers backwards. Oh. So they were like, this couldn't be you because this is a woman in Richmond. Mm. <laughs> I know this is not you. So we got to get everything. We need some verification. I said, all right, all right, all right. I just take the test over. But while I was waiting on the second test, the first test came back and they corrected the social security number. And when I, when I received it, the first person that I called, I called home, I called my grandmother. And there was just sense, you know, a joy just to hit me because it was the very first thing that I had that I had accomplished, mm -hmm. and all I mean that I actually completed outside of you know sports and everything that I was into growing up. It was when I received that GED at that moment. It was just a, a joy just hit me. So I just you know I was I called my grandmother and she was happy for me and everything. We would you know and I just went on went on back, but. It would. I went through a process. Got tra I, I got transferred, and then I go to another. I go to another institution. Uh, at that time, it was not a way correctional center, and they was on the rules real hard. Okay. Now Spring Street, it was like a free fall. You know, you just you just did. You know, and I mean, and Magnanair, it was some horrific stuff that was going on in there. Um, you know, stabbings. I, you know, I actually in there. I, I witnessed you know, standing in front of my cell a, a stabbing right in front of my cell. My lord. You know, and 
you know, and then I get transferred to an institution, to another institution that's really into the rules. I didn't adjust too well for that during mm-hmm. that period. Mm-hmm. I was I was there approximately three and a half years, and three and a half years I received some fifty-two infractions. Wow. wow. I stayed. I stayed. I don't think I did. In the three and a half years that I was there, I don't think I did a straight four months where I didn't that I that I wasn't in uh in isolation. My gosh. Ooh, you know, wow. just, and I was going through it. And I think it triggered a um it triggered and I and I'm back there catching charges. I'm just going through things. I'm I'm back here, just you know, just going through it. I'm 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 cussing police out, officers out, and uh, going to the showers and with handcuffs on. And and um, there was an incident that happened one time where I'm going so hard at this officer, and I still remember I remember him right now today. But I end up going back to Nottaway years later and apologize to him mm-hmm. because I was going so hard. That was after I had got my head together. But mm-hmm. at that time, people actually thought I was suicidal wow. because I am. I am actually. I'm, I have handcuffs on, going to the shower with shower shoes on, with boxer shorts and, a, and 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 no shirt. That's how you had to go to your sh- go to this or a t-shirt. That's how you had to go to the shower. Okay. And I'm cussing this man out in his face, up in his face. And as I'm cussing him out, I'm spitting in his face at the same time. And and I and when I got through saying all that I wanted, they were just I'm just I'm just going through it. And after I finished saying doing what I was doing at that moment, I turned around and walked away going down some stairs. Mm-hmm. And I used to think back on that. And I said, well, me and my temperament at one time, I could not have done to me what I did to that man mm-hmm. at that moment. Cause I probably, at that moment, I probably would have kicked me down the stairs mm-hmm. and whatever had happened would have happened. I was sharing that with um, an older brother once. He said, man, you were suicidal. I say, I, I might have been, mm-hmm. you know, it you was just- You didn't care. You didn't care at that point. Right. Yeah, and you, you didn't care. I was writing a friend of mine uh, that I grew up with named was Deborah Brown, Reverend Deborah Brown now. And I know Deborah, that's my buddy. Yeah, we went to, we went to, we we went live at a high school together. We grew up uh-huh. in our, we grew up in our hundred in Huntington Village together. Okay. And she went, I was t- t- I was sharing with her, I was writing her one time and said to her, I was telling her what was going on. These people always coming at me. They always want me to stand for count. You know, I don't understand why they want me to stand for count and all so on, so on, so on. So she said, the reason why they do what they do to you is because they know how they they know how to get a reaction out of you. Mm-hmm. This isn't mm-hmm. a letter that she said. I mean, she said, just stand. Mm-hmm. Right? So I changed. I, I I I changed something up. They came in one time, so I started standing for count. I started um, I started standing for count. I stopped arguing with them, and everything. Mm-hmm. And 
they were at, because I had done it so much, they were so used to it, that threw them off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It threw them off. They were like, something wrong with him. I don't know what is going on. So they kept watching mm-hmm. me all they, even They kept coming past, coming past the sale. Mm-hmm. And then I got transferred. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, it was, I was up under a, under some brothers in the nation of Islam with a study group, self-improvement courses. Mm-hmm. And that was when it actually, certain things started to change. That's when it clicked for you? Yeah. Awesome. So what do you think that time frame was from uh, 1985 to 1990? From, from 85 to 92. 92. So it took about seven years for it to click. Mm-hmm. But you turned around. So talk to me, Wally. Wale, right? Wale. Wally. <laughs> I'm gonna get it right. I'm gonna get it right before the show. I'm gonna get it right before the show is over. So look, um, I really want to talk about the love of a mother, and I'd love to have your mother on the show at a later time. But your mother stood by you, right? She, she, she did not um, commend those the wrongs that you were doing but she stood by you in love right she loved you throughout the years um talk to me about that and how did it feel because there's as you know there's so many people that are incarcerated don't have support there's nobody there for them talk to me about the importance of your mother being there and a support system well mom was there from day one I mean, she she shared some things with me. She told me she said um, it was. I used to call her my my other aunt, uh, Donita. It was her father that told her when they when they when they sentenced me. She said he told her she said you 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 got to do it with him, mm-hmm. you know. And she did it with me, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think one of my my um my 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 greatest fears two of my greatest fears that was dying in prison mm-hmm. and not let not allowing my mother see me walk out that gate my god mm. yeah well that didn't happen because she saw you walk out that gate yeah she, she shut saw the me down. it was so it, it was <laughs> it was on a friday July, July 27, 2018. We walked, uh-huh. I walked, it was, it was two other guys that came out with me. He got to speak in the tongues. They, they stopped right there. Their family, they hadn't even hugged their family yet. Uh-huh. They stopped, let her finish doing what she was doing, hugging me and everything. When mm. she got through, then they, then they went to their family. My, 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 my. Very important, right, to have a support system. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to someone that's making the choices that you made um, back in the 80s um, as a teenager, 17, 18, 19, just doing reckless things, just not even thinking, just very, being very impulsive? What would you tell that young man or that young girl if you had them in front of you? Stop being selfish and see, you know, I shared this. I, I used to share this with a lot of the younger guys inside before I came home. And I used to say, yo, man, we were selfish. You know, like, what you mean? 
What do you mean, Siobhan? I say, we were selfish. Think about the things that you were doing out there. You say, well, oh, oh I, was, I was doing what I do. I was taking care of my family. I say, well, okay, let's, let, let, let's, let's, let's look at that. You're taking care of your family. You in here now, right? Who's taking care of your family now? Mm. I say, the thing is that what the selfish part of it is that you're not really like thinking about the consequences of how it's going to affect. It's not just affecting you. It's also affecting those that you say you love. That's right. You know, so in, so in reality, you are selfish. We were selfish, you know. So, you know, if 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 we can get through, get get that point across to them and to them and, and at the same time, try to give them a glimpse for what I know now, a glimpse of, because it's not, because see, honestly, anybody can go in, go in prison. And, and survive most guys that go in most people that go into prison they can survive the physical part okay. it is the it is the mental aspects of it mm. that that breaks a lot of people down explain that what do you mean by the the mental part how does that break you down well it's 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 that form of that control right and it's this constant control. You don't have no power. You, you, you're told to do everything. When to get up. You know, when to wake up, when to go in, lights out, uh, when to go eat. Some, in some situations, when to go take a shower, when to, um, in, some, in some cases, it was when to use the bathroom because I've been in situations where they, where, 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 where things got so bad with the power in the institutions where they was controlling the uh, when you can go when when you could go and flush the toilet. Wow, my goodness! Mm. You know, and mm. you know, I'm I'm in communication with a young sister that's um that's on the uh, uh, I call her my, my my first female mentee, <laughs> and uh, mm. she's uh she's on the woman's farm. And mm-hmm. one of the things, she, and I all we had this thing for a long time. We had this thing that the women. They, they, um, that they have it easier than us doing one time. Mm-hmm. That, that reality was that, you know, the, the, you know, that, that their thought was shattered mm. because this, 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 this younger, she's 28 years old and she deals with a frustration regularly. And I say, I understand where you're coming from now. Mm-hmm. You know, where they, women are, they are carried in those institutions. And you have a staff, you have staff that has to, you know, that comes in and they frustrated. They overwork, they understaffed inside the institutions as well. So they, you know, so you have to be able, if you're not, if you're not, if you're not wise enough, you, you allow yourself to get drawn into certain things. And it took me a while, you know, to understand that. And I had to understand, okay, they got, a, they, they have lives too. And I have to, have, and I used to have to explain that to some of the younger prisoners go right there. You know, yo, man, they they have, um, yo, they got problems too. Just because they come in here, they got a job. You know, it's a job to them. And a lot of times, some of them, they get burnt out. Right, right. Got yeah. a politics of prison. Right. Um, what could have helped change the choices you made when you were making those choices? If you had to speak to your former self, what would you tell that individual? Like, what did you need not to go down that path? 
a stronger male figure in the house. My mom raised us by they, by herself. Yeah. And you know, it's and it's a sad reality though, you know, and I think a lot of fathers, you know, you know, bad bad bronc of certain things, a lot of situations. And you know, I had I knew I grew up with guys that had and I was talking to one yesterday and I remember something that he used to do. He said, Man, you still remember this? Yeah. He 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 would um we would be we was like thirteen or fourteen years old. And at a certain time at night, he just disappear on us. Mm. And finally, he told us what it was. He had a certain time he had to be in the house. Mm-hmm. His father lived in the house with him. He was one right. of the few, he was one of the few one of the few guys in my neighborhood that had a live-in father. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of it, you know, it contributes to the fact that right now having you know not having a male a male figure a strong male figure in the house. Not by having that time, authority figure. Right, and but by the time my mother's my mother uh had got had got had got married, uh, got married again to stepfather Julius Brown. I mean, I was, I was already. At that point, he was I out was there already. already. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was a good man in his own right. You see what I'm saying? He was yeah. a good. He was a good dude in his own right. You know, he had his issues, but he was a good. He loved my mother. Sure. And he was already down that path. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to mothers of children mirroring your past behavior? What can you tell us as women? What could we be doing? Let's say, for instance, you have a group of mothers that don't have a father figure um, for their children and their child is going down the wrong path. What advice as a someone that's going through it, what would you tell that woman? Listen to your child. You know, because a lot of time now, I I think back on a lot of on a lot of um, things that um, me growing up, right? And my mother did her best. Yeah, and but shout out, was- shout out to Reverend Brown. Love oh, yeah. her. She is amazing. <laughs> um, you know, and and we love her, and I know that you love her, and you know, this is just your story. It is your testimony. Right. I mean, she did her. She did her best. I, you know, I, I, um, I hold a lot of things, but it's just, you know, there were, there were, there were some, there were, you know, mothers, you know, make, you know, parents make makes mistakes, make mistakes too sometimes. We all do, absolutely. You know, we and, don't have a book to to read. Right, we don't have a course right. to go through. Right. I, I just, you know, maybe at some point. I think there were some things though, right? That she may have missed because she was too busy raising three other kids. Absolutely. You yeah. know, um, she tried. She tried. She tried her best, right? You know, but like I said, just listen. You know, she had. You know, she she had a way that she 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 had a pattern that she where she wanted me to go. You know, but I, you know, I, I, I was on my own pattern. Yeah, but a lot yeah. of times, and one of the things that I've experienced with some of the guys, you know, some of the guys that I talk, have talked to over the years is that, you know, they say that their parents didn't listen to them. Yeah. They didn't hear them. Mm-hmm. You know, they just allowed, you know, they just, so when they felt like that and they felt like they were by themselves, they just, they just, uh, they just went into their shells. They just, you know, they just retreated into, you know, into doing what they wanted to do. 
Good advice, good advice. Um, so what's on the horizon for you? What's next for you? You know, you got the whole world ahead of you and you have so much that you have to do because I believe that we go through to come out to share and help somebody else. Um, and that's exactly what you're doing right now. But what's on the horizon for you? What do you want to do? Well, actually, um, since I've been home, I've been back, you know, to this COVID thing hit. I've been back. I have been going back into the prison, speaking to guys as far as some reentry and what. Wonderful. Right. And I'm still, like, in communication with a lot of guys. Um, you know, they called, you know, they, they would call me. I tell them, they say, well, such such want to know. I said, well, just give me my number. Right. Mm -hmm. So they would call and I, I give them the best guidance that I can give this far as give them, you know, talk to them, share my experience since I've been home, you see them, you know, and, and with the hopes that when they, when some of them get their opportunity to come, the transition won't be as hard. Yeah. And I'm not saying my transition was hard. It was, it, it was, they, it, it was made relatively uh, 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 easy to some degree, you know. Really? When you came home? It, it, with a transition because things were like set up as it relates to it. Sometimes, you know, I think the hardest thing for me, and like I, like I, like I told some of the guys inside was, I said, some of your greatest battles is not going to be, you know, with necessarily, not necessarily finding a job, you know, uh, 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 and things like that. Right. Some of your greatest, pro your greatest battles are going to be with just members of your own family. Mm. Because they're still, they, you know, you got to, you have to remember, especially if you've done over as, as, as much time that I had done, yeah. and you know, and see, they are trying to get to know you, or they should be trying to get to know you, and you're trying to get to know them. Sure. Y'all are pretty much still strangers, so it's it's gonna be, it's gonna be this, it's gonna be a slight little battle, right? The battle is like. Um, you're going to feel, I, always, I, I was feeling as though that I was back under control again. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, when somebody would, 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 would try to tell me what I should be doing in opposed to suggesting what I should be doing. Interesting. Interesting. So how they, they spoke to you was sort of like a trigger of being right. back inside as well. I felt like I was being talked down to at some point. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There were there were those moments where I felt as though I was being talked spoken spoken down to, you mm -hmm. know, and um, I got into some arguments with some family members, you know, but I do know for the most part that where they would they would where they come from it was they were coming from there was love. There Sure. I knew that it was no doubt. I just, you know, <laughs> it was no doubt. I just, I, was, I wish you didn't love me this hard. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but right, right. It, it's, it's like, you know, it was like, for see, we all, I, you know, it's this thing though, right? You know, I think sometimes they make the mistake of thinking they was making the mistake of thinking that, yeah, that although we had, I hadn't been out here, but at the same time, I have lived as well. Mm -hmm. You know. I was living, maybe not to this degree, I was living in a small city. That's pretty much how we used to look at, you know, those institutions, right? We were like small, they were like small cities, you know. The I warden, never thought of it like that. The warden was the mayor, 
Mm-hmm. You know, you had uh, the warden was the mayor, the assistant warden was the vice was the vice mayor, mm-hmm. the, the the operating officer was the was the no the business the business the business uh, uh, manager uh, was the. Uh, was the city manager, <laughs> you know, everybody. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the major was the chief of police. Oh, that's, wow. That's how, that's how we used to look at it sometimes. So they were like small cities. But it's the wow. one institution, it is one of the very few institutions that you, you get a whole lot of people, but it's one of the very few institutions that you're going to be in that you're going to have, you're going to be forced. You're forced to deal with 62, at least 62 different individuals inside of the first five minutes that you'll wake up in the morning. Mm, 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 mm. Wow. Well, you know what? I just want to say thank you for sharing your story. Um, if the listeners would like for you to come out and speak or if they would like for you to be on their podcast or their radio show, how would they contact you? Just contact me, Wally Elshabad at gmail.com. All right. Now, you have to spell that for folks now. <laughs> you just W-E-L-I- can't be spelled. W-A-L-I-E-L-S-H-A-B-A-Z-Z at gmail.com. Wonderful, wonderful. Any last words, Wally? Well, just um, everybody just, you know, just just love yourself, you know, and, 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 and appreciate this life that God has given us, yes. you know, and don't take, and don't take this thing for granted. You know, because it, it, you know, you know, there's a realization. There's a there's a statement that there's something that was they they asked the people guys they ask me this every time I talk to them. They ask me say, how did it make you feel when you can't ask the surreal? Mm-hmm. You know, brother told me he said, look, go save the world. So I'm just doing my part. I'm just trying to do my part right now. Awesome. And we will leave on that note. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for being transparent and sharing your story because I believe you're going to help that next young woman or that next young man and that mother that's struggling. So keep doing what you're doing. And you know what? The the doors are going to open for you. I know they are. So thank you so much. Well, thank you.